Hi, everybody. Welcome to Don't Ignore the Nudge. This is the place where you get to hear extraordinary stories of ordinary people and how God has nudged them to either do something or not do something in their life and what happened because of it. My name is Corey Freeman, and I just wanted to get these stories out there. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Don't Ignore the Nudge. Today, I want to remind you that the Accountability Club is a very good, if you're seeing this on the Facebook group, the Accountability Club is a club with no meetings. It's the best kind of club ever. There's no meetings. We just give you an accountability partner that helps you get all of your stuff done, whether that's personal or professional, you get a dedicated accountability partner to work with you. So uh, the club with no meetings, but it's accountability-club.com. So I wanted to let you guys know about that. Today, we are talking to Laura Hart. And even though, as you guys have known, wrenches and gears, wrenches and gears, it's just all day wrenches and gears. I'm just saying. So we are persevering and like love and God will win out. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes. I mean, we would have to, I almost, I, well, I did do a little bit of a whole episode just um, as one of the extra episodes I do about all the different things that people have had happen. And it's just, even this morning, the guy had tech problems and he goes, I never have problems. Like, oh, well, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> so but anyway, um, Laura is with Amplify, which is a health and wellness company, and she lives sort of near our son. She's in Indianapolis. So I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad we were able to persevere. And she, yes. and, I, she and I were talking the other night so much. I just feel like I get spoiled because I get to talk to you twice. But uh, first, we always start out asking everybody how they came to know the Lord. So... Yeah. Well, first of all, Corey, thank you so much for even inviting me here. I appreciate it. And I love the platform that you're doing. I love what you're doing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. And, you know, it says in order to renew your mind, it's incredible to hear testimonies from other people, a testimony of what, you know, amazing things have happened through their life and all of these things. So you are renewing people by giving them that chance to hear other people's testimony. And I absolutely love that. So that's an incredible thing that you're doing here. So thank um, you. If you want to know how to have favor on your life and your business, that's how you do it. And so I definitely commend you for that. And I appreciate being honored with being here. Oh, thanks so much. That's so sweet. It lifted my my spirit. So they thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was born into the church, we'll say. My dad is a preacher. Um, my dad was a pastor and evangelist um, ever since I was a little kid. And, you know, I grew up sleeping underneath the pews <laughs> and, oh. you know, um, going to all kinds of different churches all over the place and, and traveling and things like that with my family. And so I was blessed that way, but I don't really believe that you, um, fully understand what a real relationship with God is until you get to experience something on your own. So I remember, um, somebody was telling me, you know, we have a calling on your life. And, and I believe that everybody has a calling. Everyone has an assignment on their life. You know, what is your purpose? What is your, you know, the plan? And um, the thing is, you can't go and do that before you're ready. 
He oh, doesn't so true. Oh my gosh, start so you true. out at the finish line. He equips you with everything that you need at the time that you need it. And so um, whenever I was about 25, I had been a music minister for a large church and there were some things going on in our life. And I remember thinking, I have to figure out what my relationship is with God. Like I, I have been so stuck in, in thinking that I have to listen to what everybody else says. I need to find God myself and I need to figure out what, what does it mean to ha- really have a relationship with God? Mm-hmm. And um, so I started to reflect in, in things that were um, in my past and what brought me to where I was. And, and um, at that time I was going through a divorce and it was, it was hard, but I was just trying to figure out really what I was going to do because no one grows up and says, you know, I want to be a single mom when I grow up, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not anything that you think about, you know, your life is going to look like. Right. And so, um, especially being married so young, I was, it was like three days before I turned 18 is when I got married. Mm. And, um, it's kind of all I've ever known. You know, it was, oh no, well, what do I do? You know, this is a great big world out here. and I don't really know enough about it. And so, um, I was like, okay, I, this is, this is the time to really dive in, really understand, really study, really, you know, search and prove and figure out who God is. And mm-hmm. I remember there's a scripture in the Bible where it talks about, you know, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he had been with them for a long time, you know, one of the disciples says, he's just like, well, you know, who do we say that you are? And, he, and instead of him getting mad at him, and saying like, are you kidding me? I've been with you for, for all this time. And you're like, who do you say? What do you mean? Who do you say that I am? Instead, he goes, well, who do you say that I am? He did it with compassion and grace and understanding. Like, you know, well, what do you think? What do you, what was your experience? And that was something that had always stuck out to me. I was just like, he could have been, you know, upset. Like, are you? You've seen me do miracles. You've been with me. You've watched all of these things. And you're questioning me? No, he wasn't questioning. He was just like, you know, who do we who who do we tell people that you are? He's like, who do you? Who am I to you? And so that was the question that I had to answer. And the conclusion that I came to was that I had lived a life that already up to the age of 25 that no one else could have thought about imagining living at up to that age. Whenever I um, was born, I I always tell people, I was just like, the enemy has been trying to get rid of me since the day I was born. And um, it's because I was born dead. Whenever that's such a powerful, that's such a powerful, just those words. I was born dead. I mean, that's a mouthful. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I mean, that's like pretty shocking. You know, I come from a great heritage, a heritage of prayer warriors and the women in my family um, and men, but the women particularly know how to pray. And I believe that I've got prayers that are still stored up from my grandmas, you know, (laughs) that are there when I need them ahead of time, you know, waiting for, you know, when they're supposed to be used because of the amazing prayers that they've always prayed over us and stuff. And so I was very, very blessed to have that kind of heritage. But August 12th, 1986, my mom had went into labor. 
super early in the morning on August 11th and had been in labor all day and there was something going on. They didn't know what was going on. And back then they didn't use, you know, ultrasound sonograms, those things to be able to watch and, and everything like that. But they did have a heart monitor and they noticed that all of a sudden there wasn't any heartbeat and um, they didn't notice it in time though. Mm-hmm. And so by the time she was, they were going to have her delivered now, when I came out, I was born a blue baby. It was, it was dead. The umbilical cord had been wrapped around my neck. And at that time, my mom had hemorrhaged so bad that she wasn't aware and she didn't know what was going on because she had passed out. Mm-hmm. And so no one knew anything yet. They didn't even know what my name was going to be. And my great grandmother and my grandma were in the waiting room. And it was in Popper Bluff, Missouri, in a small, you know, town in Missouri, the Show Me State. And my great grandma, all of a sudden, she told my grandma, she said, "We need to pray for Laura." And my and grandma's they, like, "And they didn't they, even know anything no. was going on. They just thought that you were back there, still yeah. in labor. She was Getting still ready. in labor. Yeah. yeah. Um, they had no clue, and they didn't know my what my name was going to be yet. They were um, preparing my name to be." Rachel or Veronica, <laughs> and my parents hadn't even decided. Laura was tossed around one time, they said, but it, they weren't, they hadn't landed on that. And so my great grandma and my grandma got down on their knees in the waiting room and were praying. They had no clue. Then they felt a peace come over them. And so they got up and sat back down. And what was going on in the other room at the same time, it was like an Abraham moment is what I, I attribute it to. Um, how many minutes do you think, like, did you have, I, th- I remember you saying before how many minutes you were actually like, with yeah, no... they were saying like six minutes. They said it was, it was, had been a long enough time that they on a table that it was done. Wow. And my mom didn't know any of this stuff. And my dad was, you know, kind of freaking out. He didn't know what was going on. You know, how am I going to, my wife is over here hemorrhaging. They didn't know she was going to make it. They didn't know, you know, he just didn't know. All he knew was to pray. So my dad was in the waiting or in, in the room praying, you know, just like, and he was scared, of course. Oh, yeah. And so um, all of a sudden when he's in there, they had already put me down on the table in one of those bins and I just started breathing all of a sudden and mm. I was fine. But being without oxygen for so long, there should have been brain damage or some sort of birth defect or, you know, issues. And I've never had any issues. And whenever somebody says, you know, what was your aha moment? I'm like, you know, really, I came in this world fighting, but I have a purpose and I'm aware of what my purpose is. I'm aware of what my mission and my ministry is, because if I was so important to the enemy to be able to want to take me out from the very start, he knew something was on my life and he didn't want it out. He didn't want what was to come years later to be able to come to fruition. So he was going to try and do anything he could to block that, but it didn't work and it's not going to work. So every time I go through something, I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I'm still here. Mm -hmm. He can't kill me. That's the one thing it says, you know, for I know the plans that I have for you, you know? And so my steps are already ordered my plans, my life, it's covered. I've been covered. And like I said, I have prayers that are already stored up. But the thing that I was thinking about with this is whenever I was really trying to 
figure out, my God, like all this stuff has happened my whole life. There's been like, you know, when people talk about success in their business and how it's like this zigzag up and down and squiggly lines and all that stuff, that's been my life. You know, there's big deal things that have happened and, and stuff that would normally discourage you. And it would make you think, oh, well, if there was a God, he would never allow these things to happen. But my view on it is because there's a God, he trusts me enough to know that I could handle the things that have happened. Yeah. It's a compliment in a way, even though you're like, I always joke around saying, I'd like a recount. I might have to say, can I have a recount? You yeah. know, I don't know if I, <laughs> I know you say I can handle this, but I really yeah. don't think I can. Are you sure? You know? Yeah. I tell people, I was just like, yeah, sometimes I think, you know, the whole, he'll never put more on you than you can handle. I think sometimes he forgets that my shoulders are dislocated. Like sometimes <laughs> he, he might not remember that. Oh. And, um, and so I was thinking about this and I was like, okay, God, and I'm going to do a, like a, a recount, like you said, and I need to go back through and just add up all the times that I've seen who he is. Oh, wow. And so it's a long I, list. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I need to remember, you know, because there's a lot of miracles that go on in our life. Some that we're aware of and some that we're not, but the ones and the things that I know, because when somebody asks me, they're just like, well, why do you have such strong faith? You know, how do you, why do you think that there's a God? I'm like, I don't think I know because I've had an up close personal experience. That's that divine intervention. It's, it's all these things collectively. And I was like, you can't tell me that God isn't real. Cause I know I've proven that his word is true and I've stood on it. And so my aha moment was going back and counting all the miracles that I've personally had and seen and go through. And I'm just like, there's no way to reason it away. There's no way to say it could be anything else but God. Mm -hmm. And whenever I was um, going through this thing and I, <laughs> I really wanted to be wrong, I did. I wanted to be like, you know what, just forget it. You know, maybe I'm just um, anticipating victory and I'm preparing for battle, but yet maybe there isn't really one. Maybe there, you know, maybe I'm just hoping that there's something good out there and, and, you know, all those things because I was hurting mm -hmm. and it didn't want to hurt anymore. And this was and, when you were around 25? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going through a divorce and it was a very public, awful thing that had happened and mm -hmm. um, it wasn't in my control, you know? And so I just remember thinking, I'm like, I'm just tired. I was like, I'm tired. I was like, I can't handle any more pain. I'm like, in my experience in my life, everybody leaves. Mm. And, and I just wanted someone to stay. I just wanted that unconditional love. Mm. And I could not ever find it. And my best friend, my grandma, the one that got on her knees and prayed for me, the one, whenever I was 10 years old, I was so sick. They couldn't get my fever to break. And I was sick for four days. They were going to have to take me back to the hospital. I was running like 104 fever. And I couldn't be around my grandma anytime I was sick because she had an autoimmune disease as well. And one time she showed up at the house and I was so lethargic. I couldn't even like really focus on anything. They were about ready to take me to the hospital again. And she came in and sat on my mom's couch and picked me up and just held me, you know, as if I was a baby at 10 years old. And I was small and I was a little bit frail. 
And she just sat there and just started praying over me. Mm. And I remember this so, so vividly because as she was sitting here praying for me, I just remember feeling that unconditional love. But at the same time, I could hear her praying and speaking life over me. And all of a sudden my fever broke. Mm. And within just a few minutes, I was like perfectly fine. Not just a little bit fine. I was perfectly fine. I wanted to get up and go play again. Like my clothes were all wet because my fever had literally broke in her hands. And she said, you know, and I remember listening to my mom and her talk in the kitchen after that had happened. And she said, you know, I know we're scared that I could get sick or meaning her and, and that there could be something happen." She said, but God told me to come over here and pray for my baby because mm. as much as it hurts us to hear our kids cry and we know the sound of their cries, we know the pain cry. We know the difference in a fake cry. We, you know, we know he knows it too. And he knows when we're hurting. So when my grandma was hurting because, you know, her granddaughter was hurting, he said, I'm going to fix it. And so I was thinking of all these accounts and I'm like, the time where I felt like I had no unconditional love and that my grandma had passed away. And so I didn't have that anymore. I didn't know. He gave me the reminders that I've had it all along. Mm. And it was amazing because when I thought that I had looked for it in other people, I had already had it with him. Yeah. And especially being a mom, we forget that sometimes. Mm-hmm. We forget that, you know, we don't have to be in control of everything, that we have somebody who's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. Oh, you know, he is our El Rai, the one who sees us all of these things and he already has it planned out and he knows when we need it and he's already provided it. But I was so excited once I really understood, I really got Mm -hmm. it. There was no wavering. There was no question. I couldn't, you know, reason my way out of anything because I had all these accounts and I can trust him because I've seen his track record. You know, I know that there was no way that a baby could just automatically start breathing. There is no way that mm-hmm. my fever could just, you know, break. You know, I have so, so many along my life that you would think there's no way this person has had this many miracles happen and where you've seen them, where God's again showing me, hey, you know, I'm here. And I had such strong faith growing up. Me and my brother um, together, he was my prayer partner and we were very crazy kids. And, you know, I got hurt a lot because we were kind of a little bit daredevils, but I was only the one who ever got hurt. And so instead of getting in trouble, we're like, it's okay. We can just pray and God will fix it. And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, as crazy as, you know, these Jesus people, is the answer. <laughs> it's okay. Don't tell dad. <laughs> like, you know, whatever it was, you know, there, we knew that there was a solution. And so my aha moments were getting to remember all the things that he had already done. That's so cool. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's interesting because you were saying that, you know, he's done so much that, you know, how can you not believe? And even before we got on this, right when we got on the recording, we were both saying, you know, sometimes we're still in awe. But, you know, yeah. in the Bible, it talks about, and many who saw miracles still did not believe. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. would I be one of those people, you know, because... 
you know, there's a lot of people that said many still did not believe, even though they yeah. saw it. Cause people say, well, if I could see it with my own eyes, you know, and, yeah. and so it's really, it's nice that you do have the capacity to see so many things and believe without seeing him, you know, yeah. cause you're seeing him, you're seeing his work, you're seeing exactly. his love, you're seeing yeah. his provision, you're seeing all of the outward things that he's bringing about. Yeah. And you're still believing. So that's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, whenever I started in business and network marketing, I had had a, a bakery before. Um, I, I used to own my own tile company. So oh my I goodness, you've done everything. did flooring. Um, and then from there I went to music ministry and, <laughs> um, then I opened a bakery cause I thought that was going to be fun and a good idea. <laughs> and I got into network marketing and I'm a third generation network marketer. Cause my grandparents, they were, you know, um, really big in network marketing. And I remember growing up going to meetings. So I had oh, church on one side and then I had network marketing and business <laughs> entrepreneurship over here. And so I got like the best of both worlds oh. and, um, I loved it. And whenever I um, really started getting into building a team and, and all that kind of stuff, the things that I thought were just like common sense, like, well, yeah, we know how to do this and this and this and this and this, you know, wasn't. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you guys, what do you mean you don't know how to do this? It was because my whole life I had been in training since yeah. day one. Mentoring. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. I never knew to appreciate it. The one thing I am really thankful for is my memory. Um, at times I used to get really mad because I remember everything in detail. And so it's hard when there's a trauma because then you remember everything in detail, but I'm thankful for my memory as well, because I was able to go back and like replay different meetings, go back and replay different sermons and think about things, you know, what someone was wearing would trigger a memory and it would lead to all the rest of the stuff. And my favorite thing about my grandparents' meetings and about church was always testimony service. Uh -huh. Like, because they had testimonies in their business, they had testimonies at church. And so I was like, well, Jesus and business go together. And I was like, Jesus was a network marketer. <laughs> and, and um I remember somebody saying they're like um oh. Laura what did you just say I was like yeah think about it and um <laughs> they go, okay you're gonna have to explain this one because you know I don't really I don't really understand what Jesus I was like think about it he figured out how to get 12 people to stop what they were doing stop their life give up fishing give up you know all these things that they were doing and follow him I was like, oh. that's his team, 12 people. <laughs> and um, I was like, they were kind of thrown into leadership and they didn't even know what they were set up for yet. You know, oh. they had the ups, the downs, all this stuff. I don't even want to go. I don't even want to go to where Judas fits in. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Well, I have 20 I have I, Judas we have to deal with. Yeah, I have 20 years. I don't know. I don't think you know this about me. I did 20 years at the top level. I was a national trainer. And I actually trained the national trainers. 
I was awesome. a court reporter and then I got, I fell into direct sales and uh-huh. killed it for like 20 years with God's like provision. But it's so funny when I'm thinking about all the different personalities and, you know, yes. uh, am I going to deny you, Lord? You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, when you're looking at all of the things that happen with your business and growing up and then the church, when you, you know, obviously, you know, what, what I'm calling a nudge, of course, is the Holy Spirit guiding you, directing you, leading you, um, prompting you, yeah. sometimes tugging at your heart to do or not do something or say something, yeah. or keep your mouth shut sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, on all those things, do you feel like you could feel more nudges personally or professionally? I believe or both? business is personal. So um, it is true. I, I think everything that you do, is personal. I will tell you one of my biggest pet peeves, kind of like my red flag is when someone says, Oh, it's nothing personal. It's just business. I'm like, Oh, actually, here's the thing. It's all personal. And like, because I made up this rule a long time ago to fire my brain and hire my heart. And what I mean by that is that I had, if I said I was going to start out with Jesus, I had to finish with him. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have to make sure that if I call myself a Christ follower, if I want to live that example and want to live that life, it has to show up in every aspect of my life. Amen. And so in business, we have a faith-based company. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, we have a faith-based company. I'm like, I don't think you fully understand. <laughs> He's literally the center and the everything to our business. And the reason that we've structured our company that way is because I want favor on our business. I want favor for these families. I want that revival that should be going on in churches right now to show up because, you know, there are so many people that are hurting in this world. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people right now that don't know who to turn to. And to me, church is supposed to be like a hospital. Sick people go to a hospital. You don't see people that are fine and well going to a hospital, right? So why is it that there have been often times where people feel like you've got to be a certain thing or in a certain condition to be able to fit in or do all these things and they miss what grace is. Grace Mm -hmm. is something that we're given for free that we don't earn. So we can't charge for it for somebody else. And so Whenever we said in our business, we want this to be different, it's because my ministry, the purpose and the calling that's on my life doesn't stop because my business started. Right. And I always tell everybody, I'm like, when somebody asks, they go, you know, did you um, always want to be a network marketer when you grew up? I'm like, well, no, that's not my calling in my life. That's not it. It's like, ah, but what it is, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle to get me to be able to do the ministry and the platform that I am supposed to do. Whenever I was 11 years old, I, um, I had this dream and it was really, really vivid. I remember being in this really big house and we were, I don't know who all it was, but I was really happy to be with them. It, was, it felt like my family, like people that were really close to us that felt like family. And I was an adult and I had, I don't know if it was a grand baby or someone's baby I was holding. And um, we were just downstairs and we were all just in a really good place, like really happy. And um, somebody looked at their watch. They're like, okay, it's time. 
And we all got went outside this house and got in all of our cars. There was like a, a caravan of cars. And in this caravan of cars, we um, each, you know, individual family or whatever got in this caravan and we drove off. And then the next scene in my dream, we were in this amphitheater, like, but it was outside. And I was standing on a platform and I was looking around as if it was me looking on the outside. And there was just a sea of people. And I remember, you know, a lot of them were like tan, uh, like all different colors of people. And it was just like, there were so many people spread out in like this fan. And I remember thinking, wow, there was so much joy in this, in this place. There was so much. It was like, you could see the energy in the room. It was like this thick shining cloud over the top of everybody. It was the most amazing thing. And in my dream, I was just so excited to be in this room. That's all I could think about was I'm in the room. I'm in the room. And whenever I looked out, something happened to the music. And I'm like, oh no, something happened. Like the piano player or something had, had walked off and I was like, it's okay, I got this. Well, I didn't play the piano. I stopped piano lessons before and I didn't play the piano anymore. And so I was like, well, it's okay because God's gonna equip me with whatever it is that I need to do. And so I sat down and I just started playing as if I had already known. And to me, that was a symbolization of, you know, it doesn't matter what talents or gifts that I think that I have right now, he's going to provide them Mm -hmm. when it's time. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden I see it was like this wave of the Holy Ghost, like just went over all of these people. And it was just like that peace that passes all understanding and that joy unspeakable. It was just like a wave. And I remember watching it and feeling like, this is it. This is the end. What we're all searching for, we're all looking for. This is what this is going to be. This is the coming to completion. Mm. And um, so whenever I woke up, I just remember thinking, I just got to get in the room. Get in the room. room. Yeah. I was like, I just got to get in the room. I was like, I don't know what room. I just got to get in the room. And so since I was 11 years old, I remember thinking, well, if he's going to equip me with whatever it is that I'm going to need, he's going to set me in those high places at the right time, but you can't be put in those high places without having to go through something. So this is what I'll, I'll, I'll finish with. So whenever I said I call it an Abraham story um, earlier was because in whenever Abraham was going to go take Isaac up to the mountain, right? He was taking him up there. He said, we will be back. Okay. Mm-hmm. And no. let's give some, let's give, some, I like to educate and give yeah. some context to people who might not have ever heard the story of Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. So in a nutshell, just give us like, you know, who Abraham was and who Isaac was. And yeah, you know, just, so a brief, just briefly was married to Sarah. Sarah was his wife who hadn't been able to have a baby. And so Sarah, she was, past the time that most women could have baby and she always wanted a child and Abraham's just like you know I need an heir like I need lineage and so she said well you're just gonna have to have somebody else have a baby with you you know and because I can't have them I'm too old it just didn't happen I you know I can't have children but God had promised her a child And so Abraham did have a baby with somebody, but then God told Abraham that she is going to have a child. 
And so she's like, you know, so she's like, I'm too old. It's not going to happen. And all of a sudden she was pregnant and that's who she named Isaac. So Isaac was her pride and joy. You know, Abraham had waited for this child because he was going to inherit all of this. You know, Abraham had worked and they call him the, you know, the father of many nations because he was set up for this because he had gone through so many different trials in his life. God trust him and knew that he could hold that title. And so um, we're all descendants of Abraham pretty much. And so whenever in the Bible, they say he was probably between the age, he was really young. So probably between the ages of 13 to 20. Okay. So he was still a young boy, basically. And so God told Abraham to take Isaac and go up to the mountain because they needed to do a sacrifice. And so he went to go get a lamb and he said, no, leave it there. And Abraham's like, oh no, he told him to take Isaac up there. And Abraham, instead of questioning and, you know, begging and pleading God, thinking he's like, well, I can't sacrifice my son. You know, do you trust me with your son, Abraham? Do you trust me? You know, can I count on you basically is what he's saying. And Abraham, he obeyed. He took the sticks. He took you know, everything he needed except for the sacrifice. And so as he's going up and, and taking Isaac with him, Isaac's like, dad, you know, I, I see this, I see this, but where's this, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? He's like, God will provide. And so as he's going up, if I was Isaac, I would have had anxiety right there. Be like, okay, what's going on? My dad is acting <laughs> weird. You know, I'm about to have a panic attack. You know, something's happening. And so Abraham takes him up to the top of this mountain and he prepares the altar and he takes Isaac and lays him on the altar. And just as Abraham is about to complete the task that God told him to sacrifice his own son, the son that he had waited so long for, you know, all of these things, God said, stop. And he didn't do it. He wasn't going to take his son from him. He just wanted to know how much does Abraham trust him? And the thing that I say about this is because all that time, Abraham's going up one side of this mountain, not knowing, you know, what God's got planned. And at the exact same time, on the other side of the mountain, he was already pushing the lamb up that side of the mountain in preparation for him because he was already meeting his needs, even when Abraham didn't see it. And so that ram was provided for him and was stuck in that bush for whenever he trusted him enough and he completed, he, he proved that he trusted God with literally everything right. and he had already had it taken care of. It's just the things that we don't see that he's already taken care of on our behalf. It's just, we have to trust him and trust that he is working things out for our good because we love him. And, and, and you probably have had Abraham, in air quotes, Abraham moments yeah. your whole life mm-hmm. where God's just seen you through when you didn't even yeah. know it was happening. So many of us have, and we don't think about it though. That's How true. many times have you been running late and then noticed that there was an accident up ahead that if you wouldn't have been, you know, forgot your keys in the car, had to turn around, had to do something, you could have been in that accident. Mm-hmm. or, you know, some of these other things, but in a situation where you're like, I wonder if I was spared that. Some of the things that we don't think about 
that we're already protected from. And we've had those moments and we don't really break and think, you know what, God, thank you. Thank you in advance. You know, that was something that could have been meant to harm me. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your covering. You know, all of these things. And I bet every single person that if you really stop to think, well, you know, has God really done anything in my life? Has there ever been a time that I didn't know how this happened? Was that God? Was that his provision? Was that my guardian angel looking over me or any of these things? And I guarantee you, you could think of something. Mm -hmm. You sat there long enough, you could think of something where you're like, yeah, there's no other explanation. Wow, I missed that one. You Maybe your kid had been playing in a curtain or with the strings and had wrapped it around their head or, you know, been playing something and you heard them in time, you know, that you saved them. That was God nudging you. You know, some of these things that we don't really think about. Well, how did I catch that? How did I know that? It was because God allowed that. He lets mm-hmm. you know ahead of time, hey, 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 pay attention. I'm, I'm watching. I'm taking care of things. You know, prove who I am. Who do you say that I am? Yeah. Well, I know that he's my miracle worker. He's always my provider. He's the one that sees me even when I don't see me. He's the one that's working even when I don't see him working. He's already got a ram already in store for me. You know, all of those things that I was thinking about in order for me to get to where I am right now. I'm the co-founder and, and president of my company. In uh, 2012, I was diagnosed with lupus. It was quickly progressing. And they had given me an expiration date of possibly five years. They said they might be able to get me five quality years. Well, I've beat that expiration date. And, you know, those people didn't know what they were talking about because they weren't the ones who are allowed to give me that. Right. And if I would have stayed with the plans and things like that, that some of these doctors were doing and all the things that they had been kept prescribing and kept doing so much stuff that was actually hurting me so much worse then I would have been gone. But I was able to look back and be like, you know what? My grandma beat cancer twice. And it was because she changed and went to a holistic doctor. She went to, you know, someone who cared about her and listened to her, listened to her lifestyle, understood what goes on in your gut and your, you know, an autoimmune condition is leaky gut, you know, all of these things. So because I had seen miracles that happened in her life, I'm like, well, if they're saying I'm going to die anyways, why not try and figure something else out? Maybe mm-hmm. there's a different plan. Maybe this isn't the end of my story. You know, People say all the time, there's like, oh, you're so young. I'm like, well, it depends on what my expiration date is, how young I am. If my expiration date is when I turn 40, then I'm kind of old. You know, <laughs> like if I get to live to I'm 80, then yeah, I'm young. I'm like, this depends. And yeah, so, it's all perspective, you know. Yeah, it is. And I said, we don't know what it is at this time. So we have to live as if everything is has a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. and telling people good news and telling people, hey, you know what? I don't know what you're going through right now, but I do know a God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. And all we have to do is ask. We have not because we ask not. And there's so many times we try and do things on our own 
instead of asking. And that's all he's looking for. He's like, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, are, of, are you going to talk to me? One of our guests was actually saying that they have, they were um, talking to somebody that was not like they weren't going to be living. And, and they said, can you just pray like for me, yeah. like just say, God, show me or, you know, show me or, you know, like show me if you're real kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and so they were just asking him to pray because, you know, just something, you know, just something yeah. so that, you you know, he would bring something for them and stuff. So, yeah, when you look back on all these amazing things that have happened and like, I'm sure that, you know, you and I were talking before and there's probably a lot of different ones over your lifetime where, you know, God provided and you did feel like you were supposed to go in one direction or another. And, you know, this beautiful dream that you had, which was such a blessing. How does that, all those guidances impact you? Like when you look back at it, how does it affect you? I feel like I've not done my part. Mm. So every day I wake up and people are just like, oh, I feel so much gratitude. I am so emotional all the time because I've had somebody tell me that I'm not going to be here. I've had someone tell me that your time is up, but then God said, no, it's not. And so I remember thinking about this and I think about it often. It's there has to be something that I'm supposed to be doing still. There is something that I've still not completed. There is so many things that I need to be doing and I'm not doing my part enough because I haven't told enough people about how good he is and who he is. And so that's what I think about. And I wake up and I'm just like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for trusting me with another day. Thank you for allowing me more time to reach people. Thank you for allowing me this much time to be able to tell somebody or find that person that maybe was in a position like I was somewhere along those way. There was a time, one time we were living in St. Joseph, Missouri, and it was me and my husband, and um, we had two little girls. It's when my girls were two and three, and we had just moved to this new place, a new church, and um, we were going to be music directors there. Well, we had quit our jobs to move there. And, you know, getting into this new house and all this stuff, money was really tight. And he had the opportunity to go in to work a night and he was um, a waiter at a place, uh, I think it was like Cracker Barrel or something like that and make some money. And we're just like, okay, yeah, you can go do that. But the pastor of this church was just like, well, I need you guys here. I need you guys to do this. And we're like, okay, well, we were a week away from getting our first check. And I'm like, no, we can't because we don't have any groceries. And he said, I think you'll, you uh, some, you know, well, I need you guys to pray about it. It's okay. We need you here. And we're like, what do we do? Do we listen? Do we go to work anyways? Cause we have two little girls, you know? And I'm just like, you know what, if this is what God wants us to do, then he's going to have to provide it. So we got on our knees in our living room and we had the two girls get on their knees with us too and pray. And I'm telling you, it was literally 10 minutes. And this couple knocked on our door with boxes and boxes of food because they were leaving for a vacation for two weeks. And they're like, hey, I know you guys just moved in and you don't know us yet, but could you guys use any of this stuff? We're leaving and we don't want it to spoil. Oh my goodness. 
and I'm looking and I looked at him and he looked at me and our mouth was just like wide open. And I'm like, you know, I don't know why we question anything ever again, because he's always my provider every time. And the girls were like so excited because they brought popsicles and, you know, macaroni and cheese, all of this stuff. And I'm just like, some of this stuff doesn't go bad. You guys are just like, no, we had bought too much and we're not going to be here. So you guys might as well have it. And so, you know, negative Nancy over here, I was just like, okay, they had to have told, like the pastor had to have told them or something like, you know, I got, so I called them. I was like, um, did you, these people showed up at our house and did you guys, they're like, no, nobody, we haven't talked to anybody sis. you know, um, we were going to come over later and, you know, and talk to you guys and see what all we could do, but why, what happened? I'm like, well, you're not going to believe this. And he goes, actually, I, I guarantee you I will. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm sure you will actually. And yeah. I'm thinking, I'm just like, why do we doubt things? Because we know that there is a way. But what the the hard part is, is there have been so many people out there that haven't got to see miracles lately. They forget that, you know, he's a prayer answering God because we give up and we don't really pray with our whole heart. Mm-hmm. We might say pretty prayers and we forget to put this sense of urgency or this, you know, our pain behind it. And that's what he hears. He hears our pain cry. And if there's anything that you can get from this whole talk with us, the one thing I would want to impress upon you is that he's your dad. And just like you would tell your earthly dad, when something hurts, when something is bothering you, when you have a need, he wants to know how do you feel? How can he fix it? Tell me where it hurts. If he's the master physician, he just needs to know where it hurts. And if we don't tell him that stuff, then how can he help us? You know, we can't do everything on our own, but if you will tell him and say, this hurts me, mm-hmm. I can't take it anymore. It hurts right here. I need mm-hmm. you to take it away. He will. Mm-hmm. So don't hold back anything because that could be your setup for your miracle. And he's just waiting waiting to perform it. I can't think of a better place to stop the episode. This, I mean, you've said it all. I mean, that is, he's waiting, you know, he stands at the door and knocks. And so thank you so much for this. I just, I know it's going to be blessing the people who are supposed to hear it. And I just know that there's a lot of people out there that are just enjoying stories, but it's not an accident. They're listening to this episode. So I just think that, and it's not an accident that, you know, you were the one saying all of this, the way that they needed to hear it. So I just, thank you. I really appreciate your time and God bless you always. But um, until next time, I'm a little bit speechless here, which doesn't happen often. (laughs) My family will attest, but until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 